You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Morning, everybody. Robert Carrillo here in Metro Vision Studios in Studio B this morning. And I want to welcome you to church, welcome you to Los Angeles International Church of Christ. Great to have you with us. I want to especially welcome all our friends and family that's joining us and uh, our brothers and sisters across the L.A. region and, of course, the San Francisco House Church. Great to have you with us. Um, Today we're going to be starting a new series I'm excited about, uh, Things That Jesus Taught, right? Um, and I'm, what I'm doing is I'm going after some of the things that we don't necessarily focus on typically, um, but that are important that the, Jesus talked about. What are the things he talked a lot about? What are the things that were important to him? And that's what uh, I want to go after. We've done a series on parables, which was fantastic. And of course, this is all staying within the theme of our year for the, the theme of the year for us, which is in him. And um, we've been studying everything that Jesus did, Jesus, all the parables he taught, and now uh, specific topics that he spoke a lot about, things that Jesus taught. So let's let's go ahead and go to God in prayer, and then we'll jump right on in. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much, God, for your love for us, for your care for us, the attention you give us, God, and especially, Father, now for uh, giving us your word that we can just read and learn and grow so much from, Father. Thank you for, for the ways that you are working in our life, for the ways that you, uh, Father, are helping us, God, to, to live this life and to be ready for the afterlife, God. We love you so much. We ask that you bless our study time. Help us to really learn from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so things that Jesus taught. So this is a new series. Um, so I want to set it up, you know, just to, to stop and think about who is Jesus? You know, Jesus, the most common title he had was actually rabbi. That was the most common title. 45 times it's recorded where somebody calls him rabbi. And that means it's probably a whole lot more than that. But those are how many times that it was recorded. And a rabbi, what does that mean? Well, I've got up here in Greek, Rabbi. Uh, it means uh, the, my great one, literally, uh, the, uh, coming from the word for many or something that is multiple. But uh, it's generally considered or given to somebody who has a lot or is a lot or has a lot to give. Uh, another way of it being translated is honorable sir. But the most common way is just teacher, right? Teacher. In fact, the Gospels tell us that. The Gospels translate it as teacher. So the, it's the most... Uh, common title. And it's interesting. If you're a teacher and the, out there teaching kids, teaching high school, teaching college, teaching university level, then you're in a good profession. That was the profession of Jesus. Of course, he grew up as a carpenter, but he becomes known as the teacher. And it also gives you kind of a, a picture and an understanding of how people looked at him when he came through and he's teaching. And, and what he did was not so different than what we oftentimes think uh, teachers or rabbis had oftentimes they had groups of students of disciples not just students uh, they were disciples meaning that they weren't just a few people that he was teaching a bunch of knowledge that a rabbi would give a bunch of knowledge they would pour themselves into these students so they were more than students they were disciples every rabbi had his disciples and if you wanted to learn something particularly the torah the will of god then you would 
hopefully be able to find a rabbi who would take you in and allow you to be one of his pupils, one of his disciples. It was a great honor to be chosen by a rabbi, to be a one that is chosen. That means that the rabbi had a vision for you. The rabbi felt that you could do something with what he gives you. And he felt, you know, that you had potential, basically. And so, Rabbi Jesus, Yeshua ben Yosef, was, had a vision for each of us and chose us to be his student. So how we listen, how we practice, how we learn the things he taught us is incredibly important, right? In John chapter 12, verse 47, uh, one of the classic teachings of Jesus, he says, if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. I love that Jesus came as our savior, not as our judge yet. Now, it must be noted and must be remembered that when he comes back, as foreseen in Revelation, he's going to come back as the judge. He's going to come back as a conqueror, right? But this trip that we all know him for, the first coming, the arrival of Jesus, he came as his savior, full of grace truth, full of mercy, love. That's how he came, right? He came to save the world. And he says, there is a judge, however, for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them on that last day. Did you catch that? The very words he said, okay, that's this right here. You know, I've got one of those old Bibles that has every word of Jesus in red. Those words right there, those are the words that are going to condemn us. Those are the words that will save us. Those are the words that will condemn us. If we listen to them now, if we learn them now, if we practice them now, if we set our hearts to be filled with them now, our minds to be filled with them, our souls to be guided by them, our life to be directed by them, then it will absolutely save us. It will, it will, it will bring the kingdom of God to us here and now. Not, not after we die. Here and now. It will bring the kingdom of God to us. If we pay attention. If we are mindful of his words. If we open up our hearts and our minds to his words. How do you know if your mind and heart isn't open to him? If you're not paying attention? Well, you don't change. That's the most obvious thing. That we stay the same. And, and it even happens among disciples of Jesus. We, can, we, we grow so much at the beginning and it's easy to plateau. Where we're hearing lots of things, but we're not changing. It's not transforming us. Being transformed into, the, into his image is a fruit or a sign of that the word of God is changing our hearts. And he says, and he says, he says, so he says, the very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last days. For I did not come on my own, but the father who sent me commanded me to say all that I've spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So that's what we have these words for, to lead us all the way to eternal life and, and to save us. But we got to be paying attention. We got to know the words. We got to know what Jesus said. There's so much garbage in this world. There's so many different philosophies and ideas being tossed around and things being said and things being done. How can anybody know what is true and right? I can tell you how by what Jesus said. That's how we know. 
That's how we know. Because everything Jesus said was directly from God. He ends it saying, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So, the, and especially right now, more than ever in, I think maybe in the history of the world, I don't know, but more than ever, definitely in my lifetime, there's so much confusion about what is true, what is fake, what is real, what is correct, what is not correct. And everybody's got their different perspectives and everybody's got their different views. And most people, you know, I heard, I heard a commentary the other day and he was talking about the future of the United States. And he said that the, the scariest thing is that most people are no longer seeking truth. They are seeking affirmation. In other words, they just want somebody to tell them you're right and your view is right. And that's how we're choosing leaders. That's how we're choosing politicians. That's how we're choosing our direction. And how incredibly scary is that? It was Jesus who said, the truth will set you free, right? And so how do we know what's true? Well, very simply, go to Jesus. We know that Jesus is the truth. So now, now that we talked about listening to the teacher and living by his teachings, what, we, what did he talk about? Well, the first topic we're going to talk about that he talked about all the time was faith, right? In Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, we, re, we run into a classic situation. In chapter 8, verse 1, it says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I mean, this guy had faith right there. Boom. He knew he got to Jesus. He knew that Jesus could help him. That is so incredibly fundamental to faith, just knowing that Jesus can help me, right? And he says, Jesus reached out to his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said, and see to it that, no, that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So he sends them off. And of course, what does he do? He goes and tells everybody, right? Um, and I don't know if Jesus said that because he really wanted him to keep it secret or he said that because he knew he'd do the opposite and that was preparing the way. Not sure. But, but the point of this right now is just the faith of the man. So we keep reading. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? I love that Jesus asks him this. You know, shall I come and heal him? He, he tells Jesus the challenge and, and Jesus says, you want me to go to your house and help you? I, I, you know, like, as I've said many times, many of Jesus' questions aren't really questions. They're really to draw us out, to draw out what we think and what we feel already. And boy, did he draw out something incredible out of this guy. Remember, this guy's a Roman centurion. He's a foreigner. He's not a Jew. He didn't grow up hearing all the great stories about God, about Moses, about Abraham, about David, about all the Goliath. I mean, all, he didn't hear all that stuff. Look at what he says. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority and with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes, and I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. 
I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and Jacob, and the king in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. I love this, you know. So the centurion, there's, a, there's, a, there's so much here to unpack about him. So obviously, you know, he's a foreigner. He didn't grow up hearing all the stories. In a sense, there's no reason for him to have faith. There's no reason for him to have a bunch of faith. But he gets it. He gets it. And the truth is, faith is really not as hard as we oftentimes think. It's just a practical application of the truth. The truth is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God of the flesh. Most everybody, you know, at least in in the church, hopefully, accepts that, understands that, believes that, right? And many, many people in this world believe that, not just us. I mean, there's over there's 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 over two billion people that believe Jesus is Lord, that he is the king of kings, God on high in the flesh. Lots of people believe that. But the practical application of that, well, if Jesus is Lord and he's with me and I've got a problem, he's the first one I should turn to. He's who I should go to. He's who can help me. And, and he understood that, you know, being who Jesus is, he says, look, and, and, I, and I love, there's, there's even a little bit of, of I would say kind of a tender moment here where he says, you don't need to come to my house. You see, the centurion knew Jews. And he knew that if, if, if a rabbi were to walk in the house, any Jew were to walk into his house, he'd be considered unclean and would not be able to go to, to, to synagogue, would not be able to go to the temple. He, he, he would be unclean. He, stood, he was in a Gentile's house. So he doesn't want Jesus to get in trouble. He doesn't want, he also knew that everybody would criticize Jesus for it. He doesn't want to besmirch Jesus in any way. He said, look, Jesus, you don't need to come to my house. He gets it. Look, I have soldiers under me. I tell them, go do this. They do it. I tell them, come here. They come here. I understand you are the Lord of Lords. Therefore, all you got to do is say the word. And Jesus is stunned by it. He's blown away by that. He's, he's, <laughs> he says, truly, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith translate that to modern english whoa 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 i haven't seen anybody with this guy's faith he had such great faith why he simply applied the truth in a practical way he recognized the truth he accepted the truth and he applied the truth Jesus is Lord. Jesus is all-powerful. Jesus cares. Therefore, he can help me. And I love what he tells him at the end. Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. Just as you believed. What will happen in our lives, I'm telling you right now, is just as we believe it will. What we believe is what will happen. What our faith is, and by the word, by the way, by the word, by the way, the word belief, pistos, it, 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 it is the word for faith in Greek. I personally love the word 
in Hebrew more emune because it's it has a much broader scope and common understanding of it means you trust somebody. It means you rely on somebody or something. It means that you put your hope in something. It means that you're confident in something. So much so that you find peace in it. That's what faith is. And of course you obey. Because if you have faith, if you trust and you rely and you have peace in it, of course you're going to do what it says. Right? You're going to do what Jesus says if we have faith in him. And he says, he says, so go, let it be done just as you believed it would. Just as your faith. That's important to understand about Jesus. What he says about faith, what he says to us, what is recorded in here that we would listen, that we'll learn from it, that we will be changed by it, in it. You know, at the end of that chapter, we read that situation, right at the end of this chapter, is when the whole boat scene happens. And you remember that, we talked about that last week, about how the apostles, you know, when Jesus wanted them to go and rest, he had them get in the boat and they were crossing the lake. But while they were crossing the lake, a storm comes and hits them. You remember this, we talked about this. And he gets up and he, and he it says, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and it was completely calm. And he calls them a word that is absolutely an insult. He calls them oligopistos. Oligopistos, meaning little faiths. Little faiths. Why are you being little faiths? They'd seen so much already. They'd seen him feed thousands. They'd seen him do so many miracles. They'd seen him heal people, blind people seeing, lame people walking. I mean, all these incredible things. Why would they not apply it to their situation? Well, because that's the human thing to do. We do it all the time. I, I find myself worrying about stuff and I realize, why am I worried about this? God is in control. God is good. God can make this right. If he doesn't make it right, then it doesn't need to be right. And I need to learn something from it, or I need to grow in it, or I need to accept it. You know, but but that's how different life is if we have a faithful perspective. But even though the fact that they were in the boat with Jesus, even though the fact that Jesus was so at peace that he's literally resting himself, taking a nap, his faith is so strong. In the middle of a storm, He's able to take a nap. How, how do we handle faith? I mean, excuse me, a storm in our life. How do we handle it when somebody hurts us or insults us or, or we see the news and, you know, the threat of the economy crashing or the housing prices or whatever? And when that hits us and it hits us and it's hitting us a lot on multiple different levels, the fear of the pandemic, the fear of, of, of racial tensions, the fear of where is our world going and what is happening and what's, what's the future look like uh, for our country and for our children. There's a whole lot of things to be afraid of. We've talked about it many times, but faith has a direct connection with that. We either have fear or we have faith. And faith is moving us. Our walk with God, our listening to the words of Jesus should move us from fear to faith. It's the only thing that holds us back, really, is our lack of faith. 
You know, in Matthew 13, probably one of the worst scriptures to read or to, to worst news to hear, I should say, is it says, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. It limited Jesus. Can you imagine that? It limited the impact of Jesus on an entire town because of their lack of faith. How much damage can it do in our own lives? Even as Christians, even as disciples of Jesus, how much damage can we suffer because we simply lack faith? Because we're gripped by fear. And I see it. I see it. It's one of the killers. I've seen great couples, great individuals who've been faithful for years go down in flames because they gave in to their fear. Because they gave in to their fear. And that could be fear of the economy, fear of the pandemic, but it could also be fear of getting hurt or fear of what might go wrong or fear that I might not recover from this or fear of, uh, there's a lot of things. And when we, when we're fearful instead of faithful, we draw very different conclusions. When we're fearful and something goes wrong, we can get angry, we can get worried, we can get frustrated, we can get bitter, we can, we can retaliate, we can run, we can hide. All kinds of garbage things comes out of fear. But if we're faithful, we stand firm, we overcome, we rise above, we get stronger, we get purer. I mean, it, it depends on what our response is. And Satan is always trying to wipe us out with fear, fear of getting hurt, fear of something going wrong, fear of, of the life of life or the world. In Matthew 9, 18, we see another situation. It says, while he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up. And went with him. Okay, first of all, his faith is striking, right? He doesn't even sound like he's doubting. He's saying, look, come. If you put your hand on her, she'll live. By this time, people are beginning to believe that Jesus really can do miracles. And the question is, do you believe in miracles? Do you believe that Jesus can save you? That Jesus can heal you? That Jesus can fix you, that Jesus can help you overcome your challenges and your difficulties. The question, do you believe, right? That's an incredibly important question. And he says, and we continue, he says, Jesus got up and went with him. And so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, came up behind him and touched the edge of his, of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. And Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Oh my gosh, you got to love that situation. So Jesus is on his way to go heal a 12-year-old. And this woman who's been suffering for 12 years comes up to him. And touches his cloak. And the other gospels tell us he called her daughter. Daughter. Actually, it says it here. Take heart, daughter. Notice what he says. Take heart, daughter. And he's on his way to heal the synagogue ruler's daughter. And to raise her from the dead. And he will do that. But he sees another woman, also 12 years suffering. 
And he heals her. But here's the thing. Here's the key. First, he says, take heart, daughter, right? Take heart. What does that mean? Be encouraged. Be encouraged. A lot of times when we get fearful, we lose our courage, right? It's like the opposite of fear. It's courage, and we lose it. We lose the courage to face things. We lose the courage to overcome, to tackle things, to keep going, to persevere. He said, take heart. Be encouraged, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. Wait, what? That Jesus healed her. Yeah, but she had to have faith. She had to believe. How much faith we have makes all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. We already know without, if there's no faith, Jesus is limited. So how's your faith today? Where's your faith at? What's the strength of your faith? And, and maybe more importantly for us who are disciples in the faith, are we applying that faith to the situations we're in? You see, Jesus spent so much time trying to teach his disciples to live by faith. To practically apply faith to their lives in all situations. It's why he did all these miracles. It's why he healed so many people. To show us that we can be healed. That we can be helped. That we can be blessed. That we can overcome whatever challenges Satan throws at us. And he throws many at us. But we can have, we can get the help that we need. And we can be healed through our faith in him, right? In verse 27, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind man came to him, and he asked him, them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored And Jesus warned them sternly, see to it that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all all over that region. It kept happening to Jesus. He'd tell everybody, shh, don't tell anybody, and they go tell everybody. But look at his words again. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Again, what does that do? It points back at us. Do you believe? We can have an all-powerful God. We can have a Lord who loves us who's so much that he's willing to die on the cross for us. But if we don't trust him, if we don't rely on him, if we don't obey him, if we don't believe him and apply those things to practical life, it doesn't do anything for us. It makes no difference in our lives. We have to believe. We have to put our faith In Jesus. He said, you trust in God, trust also in me. We have to trust in him. According to your faith, let it be done to you. There it is again. According to your faith. We put our faith right now more than ever on what we are doing and what we want to see happen in life. What we want to see happen in our church. What we want to see happen in our future. What we want to see happen in our country. What we want to see happen in the world today. 
What does the world need? It needs people full of faith to make a difference, who believe in a better world, who believe in things can be better. Yeah, I know, sin you will always have. Satan's going to be Lord of this world, and he's going to continue messing things up. Well, that's why God gave us the kingdom of God. Because we can surround ourselves with better things and a better life and things that are matter like love and faith and hope, purity, righteousness. But we got to believe and we got to go after that. And we cannot let ourselves be gripped by the fear. We keep reading in Matthew 17, another situation. Jesus heals the demon-possessed boy. That's the title. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. I mean, imagine the pain this guy's going through. His son is suffering. He said, he has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And look at what Jesus says. And this is a telltale. These are his words. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy. And he was healed at that moment. It was healed at that moment. Now what you have to note is, The disciples had already been out casting out demons. They'd already taken on a lot of them. But they come across this one and they cannot cast it out. Why not? Why can't they deal with this one? You see, there are little demons, medium demons, and big demons. They're not all the same. Not all demons are the same. We have lots of different challenges in our life. We have little challenges, we got medium challenges, and we got big challenges in life. They're not all the same. And the same level of faith that takes on a small challenge and overcomes a small challenge may not be enough for a medium challenge or for a big challenge. It may require more faith. To be able to overcome anxiety, to be able to overcome our fears, to be able to find peace, To be able to find shalom takes a deeper faith. Takes digging in and digging in those roots. A deeper faith. It's not even that it takes more amount as much as deeper faith. As purer faith in God. And I think that oftentimes we think the same faith is going to overcome everything that Satan throws at us. And it's simply not. I remember when Michelle and I moved to Puerto Rico and the church had been stuck. It hadn't grown in three years. And we got there from Miami. Miami was an incredible time. All kinds of amazing things happened in the ministry. The, the church grew powerfully and amazing things happened. We get to Puerto Rico and frankly, it was just a church without faith. It had no faith. They, they, their tank was empty on faith. And I remember, you know, I, I, I studied that time. That's actually when I first did this study. 
is when I realized how much Jesus talked about faith and how much time he spent with the apostles pouring them faith into them. And I realized, you know, they were in a similar situation. Nothing had happened in Israel for 400 years. And they were walking around faithless. And you, and you know what? Religion gets really weird when it's faithless. It gets all about rules and all about junk that it just doesn't need to be about and instead of focused on God. And when it's focused on God, of course, it's faithful. And they'd lost their faith. And so Jesus spent so much time trying to get them to have faith again. And, that, and so that's what we did in Puerto Rico. We said, okay, we're going we're gonna to get back to being a people of faith. And I'll never forget the first lesson I did, the sister in the, in the group told me, she said, I appreciate your zeal, Robert, but you don't know what it's like to live here. It's hard here. And, and, and it's difficult. This is like Satan's throne. And, you know, the, your talks on faith are great, but wait till you've been here a while. And I told her, I said, you wait till, you, till we've been here a while because we're going to have faith and great things are going to happen. And from that, from that time on, the church just started to grow and grow and grow and grow. I think I've shared, I can't remember if I've shared the story of, you know, we had prayer nights just to focus on God and to focus on faith. And I had all the brothers coming over to, to my house to, to, to pray. And I'd been out at the gym and I came home one night. I got about, about a half hour, 45 minutes before the prayer night. And I pulled up to the house and I was sitting there in my car and I saw my rearview mirror, some shadows go by. And I thought, oh, some of the brothers must have come by early and they're going to try to scare me. So I, I saw them in the rearview mirror. And as soon as I saw the shadows coming up and it was night, it was dark, I jumped out of the car to scare them. Lo and behold, they weren't brothers. It was three young guys and they had masks over there. They had, they had like bandanas and their T-shirts pulled up over their nose and and they had guns all three of them had guns and they were pointing them in my face and they were yelling at me and because i'd only been there a couple of months i still didn't understand really well puerto rican accents and they were from the caserios which is like the projects in in puerto rico which have very heavy accents and different way words they use and vocabulary and i was like i i couldn't understand what they're saying but it was very clear what they wanted. They were pointing out my keys. They were pointing out my car and they were carjacking me. And I'd already heard all these horrible stories about, about people getting killed for cars and all this stuff. So I just, you know, I threw in the keys and said, get out of here, take the car and go. And they grabbed the keys. They jumped in the car and the car they pulled out and, and I was just praying to God. And, and the bummer was that it was, it, the car was only like a month and a half old and, and, these guys didn't consider the fact that it would be stick shift and it was a stick shift. So they were like, grinding the gears. So I just started praying, God, please protect my car. Please protect my car. And they took off. And right after they took off this, this, uh, 1972, I think it was a 72 or 71 Mustang pulls up Mach one and, and, and the, 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 the guy in the car was like, come on, let's go after them. I saw everything that happened. Jump in the car. We'll get those guys. And I was like, you know, those guys have guns. We don't have guns. Why don't you come in my house? Uh, we'll call the police and, and come help me. So he's like, all right, all right. So he went, goes back to his house. It was one of my neighbor. He lived like two houses, or one house down and one over. And, um, and he comes over with his wife and we sat down. And actually it was so funny because Michelle and I were just super excited to meet them. We hadn't met them. They had just moved in with their parents and, and we hit it off. And long story short, you know, and we had been, you know, the, the, the prayer night was supposed to be 
you know, praying that one, we, we, we would start growing and baptizing too, that we would, Michelle and I would find Puerto Rican leaders to lead the church and, and, and three, that people would just see the power of God and put their faith back in God, right? All of that happened that night because what happens? Well, we become great friends with our neighbors. A month later, they get baptized. Three years later, we leave and they lead the church and they're Puerto Ricans. I mean, it was totally God, right? Because we are so smart, because we paid the money, because we are so talented. No, because we just believed and we got the church believing and the church grew and grew and incredible things happened and lots of amazing people became Christians. But it was just faith. It was faith. And we were able to overcome all the demons that Satan had thrown at us. What I learned there in Puerto Rico was that some demons are way more intense than others. And some places and some communities are way harder. But that doesn't mean that you can't overcome. It just means you have to grow in faith. And we look at, you know, it says they went to Jesus and they asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You hear that? That is so incredible what Jesus said. Now, is Jesus a liar or is he telling the truth? He said, because you have so little faith, that's that, that's, that's that oligopistos, you know, that little faith person. The last thing you want to be, because if your faith is little, nothing will be overcome. Everything will overcome you. And your life will be dominated by fear and reaction and sin and impulses and lust and all that garbage. But if we want, but Jesus came to set us free, but we got to put our faith in him. We got to believe his words. He says, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, as small as a mustard seed, you know how big a mustard seed is? It's tiny. It's about this big. Can you see that? No, you can't because it's so small. Because it's so small. You could say to that mountain, even faith, that small. So for those to be, if, if he called them little faiths, and he's saying that you could move mountains with faith this tiny, that means their faith was minuscule. Their faith was microscopic or maybe not at all. He said, look, even a little bit of faith, you can change the world. You can say that mountain move and it'll move. And we got a lot of mountains in our life, a lot of mountains in our life. We have a lot of challenges in our life and it will move and it will change. And it's what Jesus wanted us to understand. And probably the, the, the most incredible phrase he says, maybe in the whole Bible, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. Oh, you mean I can go get a Maserati and just ask God for a Maserati? No, of course not. Of course not. God isn't stupid and he's not foolish. But God is eager to bless us with good things. Things that really matter. Like love. Like relationships. Like peace. Like joy. The things that really matter to everybody. The things that we really want. And it may at times seem like it's impossible to get there. 
It's impossible to be confident. It's impossible to overcome this sin. It's impossible to truly be happy, to truly be at peace. No, it's not. Nothing will be impossible for you. That's his words. That's his promise. That's what Jesus said to you and to me. When Jesus closed out the Sermon on the Mount, he said these words, and we're listening to Jesus' words. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. We all know the parable. We're not studying parables right now, but we've studied it. Those who ignore his words, who do not build their house on rock, they fall apart. But if we listen to his words, if we practice his words, if we set our hearts and our hope and our minds on his words, and here's the thing, you you really can't even practice the Bible without putting your faith in him. You know all those scriptures, whatever's lovely, whatever's pure, think about such things. Whatever's wholesome, let the wholesome things come out of your mouth. We can't do that if we have no faith. Because we're angry, we're upset, we're uptight, we're worried. We're bitter, we're mad at people. But if we put our trust and our hope in God, we can have peace. We can have our love tank filled up so that we can love others. We cannot love our enemies if we are not filled with faith in God. So let's listen to his words. Let's make sure his words fill our hearts, our minds, and our souls. God bless you. Buen camino. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 